This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. This has been our foundational chapter and we will continue along these lines. Matthew chapter 5 beginning at verse 1. And seeing the multitudes he went up into a mountain and when he was set his disciples came into him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. He says rejoice. And be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. I love this. And, and we again, we, we just bless the Lord for, for the messages that have gone forth on the Sermon of the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is not just about the Beatitudes. There's much, much more in the Sermon on the Mount. But we thank God for, uh, for the blessing of the teaching that we've been getting on the Beatitudes. Uh, much was said, and we will continue in this teaching. And one thing that I need to revisit based on what we will continue to hear and what we will uh, continue to hear in, in, the, in the weeks and the months to come is, is the idea... And, 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 and it's not just about this teaching, but this is something that just needs to be rehearsed in our minds. It needs to be at the very forefront of our minds. And that is the understanding of who he is. We need to always, always keep that at the very forefront of our minds, who he is. Understanding who he is is very relevant. And it is very crucial as we define and continue to define the word blessed. What does that word really mean? What does blessed really, really mean? I agree that, that blessed, it has taken on so many meanings. It's taken on so many uh, irrelevant and untrue meanings, this word blessed. And it has changed the truth of God into a lie. All of these meanings, they've changed the truth of God into a lie. And it has crippled and desensitized some believers into God's nature, his very nature, and his very power. It has desensitized, desensitized even believers, some who call themselves believers. It has desensitized them towards God's nature and his power. They have, some of them has produced a lack of, of trust in him. A lack of confidence in him. It's produced a, a, a stagnation and a mistrust because of the definition that the world and that people, not just the, not just the world, but worldly thinking, 
worldly thinking among believers, among those who say that they follow Christ. Those meanings have crippled, have crippled so many believers. And, and no wonder why, why a lot of Christians, believers, they live defeated lives because a lot of it is just because of this word blessed. A lot of it can boil down to just this word blessed. And so how, how, how is that? When you think that having a $200,000 plus house and designer clothes, celebrity branded clothes and handbags, high priced cars, six figure incomes and being a CFO and CEOs of, the, of companies. When you think all of that, all of that means that you're blessed, it leaves no room for those with less. If you have that mindset, whether you are the one with the more or if you're the one with the less, we're talking about possession wise. Right? Possessions. Possessions are things that you own. Possessions, things that you own, things that you've accumulated. Those are material things. Those are possessions. But let me tell you, we have, we don't possess, but we have one greater. And that is Christ Jesus. We don't possess him, but we have him. And remember that definition. We're going we're gonna to revisit that definition uh, th- that the, the minister gave as well. But when you have Jesus, you are blessed. It has nothing to do with material things. When, when, when those who have more in their minds, they are blessed and highly favored when they have, because they have more possessions. And they feel like they're blessed and highly favored. But then that puts those with less, that puts them at a number two ranking with God in their eyes. God loves them too. God loves me. I'm blessed and I'm highly favored. God loves me, but God loves them too. That, that's the kind of mindset. And they may, not, they may not ever say it necessarily, but that is the kind of mindset. That's the thinking that they have. In their eyes, those with less have less faith. In their eyes, in their eyes, those with less have less faith. In their eyes, God surely can't be using them to the magnitude that he's using me because I have more. I'm shown. He, he has shown. He has shown. Put his favor on me. He has shined his face on me. I am blessed and I'm highly favored. Not that he can't use them. But not to the magnitude that he can use me. The mindset. We're talking about a mindset that those with more might have. They consider themselves to be in right standing with God, with right now faith. I have a right now faith. And in reality, simply put, and our pastor has said it time and time again, because they possess more, all that means is that their bills are higher. That's, that's what that means. A $200,000 plus house. Your electricity bill is way more than somebody with a 1,400 square foot house or an apartment. You just have more bills. You have a higher car note because you drive a high-end car. That's all that that really means. So accumulating those things, it has nothing to do, nothing to do with faith, number one, and certainly has nothing to do with being blessed or favored. Anybody that works, we've heard this time and time again, anybody that works can accumulate just as much. So it has nothing to do with faith, 
And it has nothing to do with being blessed or favored. They have changed the truth of God into a lie. They changed the truth of God into a lie. Because nowhere does it preach, nowhere does it teach that the more stuff that you have, that means that you are blessed and highly favored. It doesn't teach that. Scriptures don't teach that. It doesn't teach that. In most cases, those that have wealth, they have strategically positioned themselves in places and spaces to be able to obtain wealth. Whether it's in the educational space where they've gotten all the education that they can get and, and all of that and they position themselves to be able to get better paying jobs. They know somebody that knew somebody that they, you know, hobnobbing and, and, and rubbing elbows with people to help get them in positions, to help get them in certain spaces. They may have even just, just been born into wealth with their parents, their grandparents, great They call that what? Old money. They were born into old money. But all of those things, again, the spaces and places that they have been positioned and positioned themselves to be in to be able to gain wealth. And yes, a lot of them have worked hard to get to where they are. Some of them have stepped on people to get to where they are. But they feel like they are blessed and highly favored. Then we have those with less who still have that mentality that those with more are blessed and highly favored. They have that mentality. That they are blessed. Those with more are blessed. Because they feel like they have been forgotten. They feel like they have been overlooked. They feel like uh, uh, those that have material things are more blessed and highly favored. But let me tell you something. This person's perception, that person's perception, it has him fooled and has changed God's very nature. It's changed the very nature of God. It has changed because the the scripture tells us plainly that God is no respecter of persons. That his blessing, his blessing and favor is not tied to the material things that one possesses. Look look at this in, in Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. It's not tied to what you possess. It's what you have. It's tied to what you have, but it's not tied to what you possess. Acts chapter 10. And let's look at this in verse 34. 10 and 34. And the scripture reads, Then Peter, and he's talking to Peter. Peter is talking to Gentiles, the Gentiles. He's saying, Then Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. And I, I, you know, I really wasn't supposed to read verse 37. I mean, it wasn't one in my notes, but I'm glad that I did because that brings me back to, to the title of my message, which I didn't give. The title of this that I'm going to be ministering over the next uh, few weeks is the Beatitudes. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. The Beatitudes. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. So, so here we see that in every nation, those that fear God and works righteousness is accepted with him. They are the blessed and they are favored. 
on the other end of the spectrum, they may think that God has ordained for them to be in that state for his glory, a state of lack. Some people think that, that they, they believe that God has ordained them to be in the state of lack for his glory. Or they feel like they are closer to God because they don't have as much stuff. They feel like they're closer to him because they don't have as much or because they're not encumbered with material things. And that is certainly not the case either. That's not the case either. A believer is blessed when they have accepted and is found. They have accepted and they are found in the one who is the blessing. And that is Christ Jesus alone. When you are found, when you have accepted him and you are found in him, you are the blessed. A believer or anyone with or without knowledge is blessed when their life has been enriched and touched in any way, in any way by God, by the influence of God. When a person's life has been touched, has been enriched by the influence of God, they are blessed. All of us listening here at some point or another, we have said that someone has been a blessing to us because of what they've said, because of what they've done. Well, no matter how good a person is, and we've been hearing this on Sundays, no matter how good of a person is, how good of a person they may seem, no matter how good of a person you think that they are, no matter how well and how profoundly they speak, no matter of any of those things, they are not the ones who deserve the praise. It is God alone. It is God alone who deserves the praise. We honor those. Okay? God deserves the praise because he works through people to bring us the blessing. To bring us the blessing of the word. To bring, up, bring us the, the blessing, the blessing of, of a, word, a spoken word or, or you know, a message. Messages like, like these that we've been hearing. That God, God, God alone deserves the praise for that. Now we honor those. We do honor those who bless our lives. We do honor those. We show thankfulness and we show gratitude for those who bless our lives. But we must remember that they are merely the vessel in which God works through. They are merely the vessel that God works through through the Holy Spirit. So it is God and it is God alone. So they are the vessel. They have yielded themselves to the work of the Lord. Knowingly and intentionally. And then sometimes we are blessed and the, the, the person who, who have, we've been blessed by because they've sent a word or said something that has, has, enri- has enriched our lives and, and, and has, has been sent by, by God and they don't even know it. So they've done it unintentionally. But it's still God working because God can use anybody that he wants to use. Whether they're, whether they're yielded or not, he can speak something, a meaning, meaning whether they live for him or not. He can still use people to bless our lives as only he can do. Because he, he, can use any, he, he will use anything and anyone. He will use anything to be able to get to us what he needs to get to us. That makes sense. He will use anything. Remember, he used the donkey in the Bible to be able... To get to someone who he needed to reach. So he can use anybody. He can use anything to get to us, to enrich our lives, to edify us, and to bless us. Blessing, the blessing is built into the salvation plan of God. Blessing is built into the salvation 
plan of God to bless, to enrich us through edification, through enrichment, through admonishment, through correction, through uh, provision, through protection, through instruction, through counsel. It is built into that salvation plan. And all of that is a blessing. Yes, correction is a blessing. It's a blessing. Why? Because that correction is doing something to, to, try to, to try to make some changes, to try to encourage, to try to admonish some changes in your life. Why? So that you can be prepared to meet the Lord. You need to do the changes and make the changes now so that you can stay in him. That you can remain in him. That you can endure to the end. That's why we have those changes. That's why God brings those changes and things to, 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 again, to correct us and to change us so that we can, day by day, be more conformed to his way. Be day, day by day, be more conformed to his will and to his way. That's why we have correction. And that is a blessing. We remain on the receiving end of blessed when we remain in Christ. We remain in him. We remain on the receiving end of bless. That is remaining with him and accepting all that he provides because of his love. And that includes his correction. To accept him and to accept all that he provides through his love for us. We believe Christ to be the seed of Abraham. We want to revisit that. We believe that Christ to be the seed of Abraham. And so we're still being reminded now of who he is. We're being reminded of who he is in verses 1 and 2. So it was through Abraham's family, through Abraham's family, his family tree, that Jesus was born to save all of humanity. It was through Abraham's family tree that Jesus was born to save all of humanity. It is through Jesus Christ that we have a relationship with God and that we are blessed beyond measure. We are blessed beyond measure. Turn to Psalms chapter 72. Psalms 72. And let's look at this in uh, let's see Psalm 72. Let's look at this in verse 17. 72 and 17. And the scripture reads, His name shall, His name, who is His, it's the He that we've been talking about. His name shall endure forever. His name shall be continued as long as the sun. And men shall be what? Blessed in Him all nations shall call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only doeth wondrous things, and blessed be his glorious name forever, and let the whole earth be filled with his glory. He is the blessed one, and we are blessed when we stay with him. Blessed be his glorious name forever, and let the whole earth be filled with his glory. This is the he that we are talking about. Turn to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. And we are going to walk through a few scriptures tonight, as this is Bible study, so I hope you're okay with that. Uh, Nonetheless, we will walk through it anyway. Galatians chapter 3. And uh, let's see here. 
let's look at verse, starting at verse 6. Galatians 3, verse 6. <clears throat> and the scripture reads, Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel, and uh, the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. So we see here, again, this scripture does not say anything about what you possess. It doesn't say anything about how much money you have. It doesn't say anything about that. It says what? It says the scripture for seeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed, so then they which be of faith, be of faith, are blessed with faithful Abraham. Who is those who believe in faith? Those who trust in the very word of God. And no, Abraham didn't have those same word that we have, but what he did have, he had faith and he trusted wholeheartedly in that. He trusted wholeheartedly in that. He didn't have the scripture that says that the spirit of the living God will live on the, he's going to bring, bring, uh, bring that, uh, that earnest down payment. He didn't have that scripture, but all, whatever he had, he trusted and he believed in that. He trusted and he believed in that. So those who are of faith or believers following in the path of Abraham are justified through faith. This, this is the thee shall, in thee shall all nations be blessed. Following the path of Abraham, of his demonstration of faith. That, uh, that is those who are uh, the nations that shall be blessed when we follow in that same path of faith. Following in that same path of faith. Look at this in verse 13. Galatians 3, let's look at this in 13. And the scripture says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Uh, verse uh, 20, no, verse 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He had said not and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed which is Christ. Verse 26. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. You following this? Ye are, 26, for ye are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. There is neither rich or poor. There is neither black or white. Ye are all, if you are in him, ye are all one in Christ Jesus. 
You are one in Christ Jesus. So the blessing and the promises are only found as we are baptized, as we are submerged and have put on. We have put on Christ. We have put on. We have, that means we have clothed. We have clothed ourselves in His character and His conduct. Those are the ones who are receiving the, receiving the blessing through Him. Those who have been clothed, those who have clothed themselves with his character and his conduct. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Again, we just want to confirm, we just want to drive that point home about who he is before we go on and to, to, our, to the blessings that we have through him tonight. Galatians, uh, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 1. Let's look at this in Ephesians chapter 1. I love this. Uh, scripture, the scriptures, I just love it, but I, I love it. Look at this in verse, in verse, starting with verse 3. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings. This has nothing, I see nothing here. Nothing here about any material possessions. It says that we have been blessed. He has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. The good pleasure of his will. That tells me that I'm blessed and highly favored when I am found in him because that was his good pleasure. It was his good pleasure to bring us to him through Christ Jesus. Let's look at this in verse 7. In whom we have, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Hallelujah. Wherein he hath abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will. I say if you have, if you have been, been blessed to be able to, to have the mystery of the will of God, then you are blessed. You are blessed and you are highly favored. That in the dispensation, verse 10, that in, uh, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he might gather together in one all things. In Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in Him, in whom also, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of Him who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will. I love that. And this is again the, the scriptures; they preach themselves. The scriptures preach themselves. But 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 look at this in. Um, Let's see. Or did we see? Yes. For which is the earnest? We read that. Which is the earnest of our inheritance until the, the redemption of the purchased possession until the praise of his glory. Until the praise of his glory. Look, all of this, all of this tells us that in him we are the blessed. God, listen, God, God will give us the, the, the wherewithal. He gives us the knowledge. He gives us the understanding of his, the very mysteries of his will. The very mysteries of his will, what he desires of us, of his very, his very will, he gives through us when we are in Christ Jesus. We have been chosen, people. We have been chosen. We have been predestined to the good pleasure of God's will. 
It says it right there. To the good pleasure of his will, we have been predestined and we have been chosen. We have been accepted. We have been redeemed. We have been forgiven. All and being an heir, just as we are an heir with Christ Jesus. And God's efficacious grace. God's efficacious grace. His super abounding grace is towards us. When we are in Christ Jesus, I say that that is being blessed and highly favored. That's being blessed and highly favored. When you have been redeemed, when you have been accepted, when you have been forgiven, when you are heirs of an inheritance in Christ Jesus. That is, you are an heir of eternal life. You are an heir of eternal life. So how dare we dumb down the blessing of Jesus to just the possessions that we can have on this earth. The possessions that we can have only right now as we've been hearing and as we know. We cannot take any of those things with us. So you would rather be what you consider temporarily blessed with, with all of the possessions that you can have. You would rather be temporarily blessed if that's what you want to call it. You would, you would rather have those with us than to have the will, than, to, than, than to, to, to know the will of God, to be made known, to be enlightened by the will of God. You would rather have those temporal things than, than, than uh, to have forgiveness of sin, to, to have an inheritance where you can live eternally with the Almighty God. Listen, after all of this life that we are in in this world, all the things that this world is, 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 is bringing to us, the things that we are surrounded by, listen, we need to look forward to that time. When we can have all of the peace, we can have peace now, don't, don't get me wrong, but when we can have just, I mean, just all peace. When, when, when everything, when all of the chaos, when everything surrounds us, then it's all in alignment with God. And we don't have to contend with all of those other. We don't have to contend with pains and aches. We don't have to contend with, with, with just all of the, the, the natural and the, 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 uh, the abuses and, and everything that's just going on around us in this world. You mean to tell me you would rather dumb down a blessing. You would rather dumb down a blessing to just temporal things. That's, that, that, that's crazy. So here on the Sermon on the Mount, we see God's principles of obedience and agreement at work. In, in, in these scriptures, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, we see God's principle of obedience and agreement at work. The principle of obedience. Because that is the plan to reward our lives. Remember that teaching. Obedience is the plan to reward our lives. So the lives we live now, obedience, the lives that we live now can produce reward now and in the future. The life we live now, it can produce reward now and in the future. In this dispensation and the one to come. In this life and the one to come. In this temporal state and even for eternity. Our obedience is the plan to reward our lives. The principle of agreement. The principle of agreement because that is God's plan to crown our lives with peace. The principle of agreement. When we agree with the word of God, it shall crown our lives with peace. If you can believe that blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall. If you can believe blessed are the meek. For they shall. If you can believe all of those things, that is God's plan. If you can agree with that, that is God's plan to crown our lives with peace. 
agreeing with his word, it demonstrates belief and trust and full confidence in the one who established it. Agreeing with his word, it produces full confidence in the one who established it. Remember I talked about, a few minutes ago I talked about the ones who believe a blessing are because of material things. Well see, that knocks, that knocks, this, that knocks this out. Those who believe to crown our lives with peace, if we agree with the word of God, it will crown our lives with peace. And it produces in us trust and a confidence. It's a demonstration of our trust and our confidence, full assurance that God is who he said he is. And he will do exactly what he said he will do. If he said it, it shall come to pass. If he said it, it shall come to pass and it will produce Peace, that no matter what I face, no matter what I face, no matter the situation, no matter the circumstance, no matter the times that we live in presently, no matter what occurs in the next dispensation of time to come, no matter what I see now, God's word is truth. And I am fully persuaded that it shall come to pass. That's the principle of agreement. That is the principle of of agreement. And because I agree with his word, I'm also going to obey his word. And that is going to be the plan. That is the plan to reward my life. That's the plan to reward my life. So as we've been taught over the last few weeks on Wednesday evenings, our obedience and our in, in agreement are designed to help what establish the reign of God in our hearts. The principles of obedience and agreement. They are designed to establish the reign of God in our hearts so that we may live out loud. Hear what I said. That we may live out loud with the goal and the destination of the kingdom of heaven in mind for the future. We need the, we need the principle of agreement, the principle of obedience, reigning. This is the, the reign to establish the reign of God in our hearts now so that we may live out loud, that we may live out loud with the goal and the destination in mind of the kingdom of heaven in the age to come. So again, these are, to be reminded that these are the traits. Go back to, to Matthew chapter 5. Go back to Matthew chapter 5. And these are the character traits. Remember the preacher told us that. That these are the character traits that Jesus is looking for in those who profess to be his. Those who profess to be his disciples. This is what he is looking for. So he calls those who live out these traits blessed and favored because God is doing a special work in their life. God is doing something special in their life. And, he's also, and he also has something extraordinary stored up for them. Jesus calls them blessed because God is doing a work in their lives now and he has something extraordinary, extraordinary stored up for them in the future. You will notice that each one of these traits, each one of these traits that, that's laid out here, is almost a direct contradiction of society's typical way of life. Each one of these traits, it's, it's, it is a, a, a direct contradiction, a direct contradiction to the way society's typical way of life is set up. The last beatitude 
really drives this home. Let's let's look at this again because all of these all of these traits it boils down to this scripture. Blessed are ye ten. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And verse eleven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Because then is the reward. So he's saying basically, and you cannot pick and choose. We can't pick and choose which beatitude we're going to follow and which ones we're not. We can't pick and choose, you know, I'll be meek, but I, you know, I won't be poor in spirit. I'll be this, but I won't be that. You cannot, you cannot pick and choose. God expects, Jesus expects, he's teaching this. Remember his authority. He's teaching this. And he expects that all of these beatitudes be found in those who follow him. His disciples. He is expecting each and every one of them. And then we'll see that some of them, they even coincide together. You can't have one without the other, which we're going to see. You can't have one. In some cases, you can't have one without the other. But you can't, but you cannot have some or none, right? You have to have all of them. You have to have all of them. So you will notice that, that in these Beatitudes, they must be taken as a whole. Anyone who commits their ways to Christ, anyone who commits their character and their conduct to Christ, anyone who commits to righteousness will be persecuted. That's the bottom line. When you commit your ways to Christ, when you commit uh, your character and your conduct, the con- character and conduct of Jesus, when you commit to that, you will be persecuted. But the one in the authority, the one, the blessing, he says that anyone who commits to righteousness, not only is the kingdom of heaven his, not only is the kingdom of heaven his, but he should rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is his reward in heaven. Great is his reward in heaven. And see, I know, see, we get so bogged down, we get so bogged down with what we have now that we can't even see past. We can't see past. We can't even see past our tomorrows because we're so worried about what we have today. We can't see past uh, these temporal, these, you know, these months, these years. We can't see past our lifetime because of everything that we're just trying to get. I'm just trying to get. I just, I just need stuff. I just need these possessions. I just need this. I just need that. And you are missing. Just like, look, just like, just like Minister Martin said, you, you should be happy and you don't even know it. You're blessed and you don't even know it. So when, 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 if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. You can't even clap your hands because you don't even know that you should be happy. You don't even know that you should be happy. But the scripture is plain. It's plain. And we're going we're to drive this home. All these Beatitudes, it's going to drive it home. So let's be reminded of the definition that was given for blessed. Let's be reminded of that. Blessed means well off at the highest level. Blessed means it has to do with what you have going for you. What you have going for you or what you possess or what is counted as yours what is counted as yours it is what you have that you ought to be happy about that's blessed it is 
what you have that you ought to be happy about. We will add to this, it is the experience of joy and hope independent of outward circumstances. We're going to add that piece to this uh, definition of blessed. It is the experience of joy and hope independent of outward circumstances. Blessed. It is the experience of joy and hope independent of outward circumstances. Verse 4 of Matthew chapter 5. So now that we have all of that established, we know who he is. We know that. We know the true meaning of blessed. So, here we go. Verses 4 through 6 is what I will be covering. Not all of it tonight, but this is, what, this is, this is our, our focus over the next few weeks. Verse 4. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. So this really is the extension of the first beatitude. It really is the extension of it, the poor in spirit. Remember condition number one that was given of the poor in spirit. They realize that they are undone. That's the first condition of, one, of those who are poor in spirit. They realize, they realize that they are undone. They see their condition. And they know that they fall short of the glory of God as they long to please him. This is the intellectual piece. This is the thinking. This is the thought. Okay? That's the thought. Poor in spirit. It's the thought. It's the realization that I am undone. It's the intellectual piece. It's realizing and seeing and knowing that you have fallen short. Then there is the pognant side of it. It's realizing, is when the realization of it, coming to terms with the fact that you are undone, that brings the mourning. And the mourning is not the feeling, and, 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 and I want to be sure that, that I'm clear about this. The mourning that is, that is here in, in the scripture, it is not the feeling of mourning that's brought, brought, uh, brought forth by things that happen. Constraints of, cir- of, or cir- of circumstances or the feeling that comes when something happens like uh, uh, you know, the death of a loved one or something to that effect. This is not the mourning that he's talking about. It goes a little deeper than that. Okay? Now, don't get me wrong. God is a God of comfort, and he's going to comfort those who have lost loved ones. He's going to comfort those who mourn for those things that happen, those events that happen in their life. He is a comforter for that. But in this scripture, he's talking away about way more than just that. He's talking about, remember, because it's not, it's not about, uh, 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 this is about the character. This is about the traits. This is about the characteristics that are found in people. Not because something has happened. These are just the characteristics that we should have, that we should possess as those who believe. So in mourn, you are wretched. In mourn, when you're mourning, you are wretched. You are pained. You are disturbed. You are heart-rented. You are heartbroken. You are moved to tears. 
And we all know that. I mean, even naturally, like I said, even when we mourn about, about things that just happen, all of these things, we're pained, we're heart-rented, we're disturbed, we're moved to tears, right? So a person becomes religious. Okay, so we, I said that these two, these two things, uh, 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 the, the, poor and the, spirit, the poor in spirit and, and though, uh, they that mourn, I said that those are together. They should be, it's an extension. The one is an extension of the other. So a person becomes religious when they solely function on the intellectual piece. When you solely function on the intellectual piece of the standard, you become religious. This sounds like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Right, the Pharisees and Sadducees in the scriptures. These are they that have plenty of knowledge. They have plenty of knowledge. They have plenty of teaching. They have the intellect of the word, but they lack grief. They lack sorrow. They lack shame. They lack remorse. They lack regret that God, that, that God expects. God expects that to accompany the knowledge of falling short of his standard. So these are, are, are people, in, in other words... A lack of mourning can lead to arrogance. It can lead to pride. A lack of mourning can lead to a sense of superiority and high-mindedness. Uh, this, that's, what, that's what a lack of mourning does. So it, it can... <clears throat> the intellectual piece is, I see the scripture. So think about a Pharisee, Sadducee in, in the scripture. Think about those that you may know when you hear, when you hear this. The scripture says, sex outside of marriage is wrong. Because of that, I have sinned. And then they go right on, and they continue to sin. Intellectual. That's the intellect. I know the word. I know the word. But they don't mourn. They're not grieved by it. They're not pained by it. They're not heartbroken. They're not moved to tears because they have stepped outside of the standard. Or they're not meeting the standard of God. That's what the mourning. This is what we're talking about. A lack of mourning. That leads to arrogance and pride. And a sense of superiority. In other words, if I acknowledge I fell short, then I boast that my falling short was somehow different or less sinful than someone else's falling short. I lack mourning. Let's look at this in Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. You can't have one without the other. You can't be poor in spirit and not more. <laughs> you can't be poor in spirit and not mourn. Look at this in Luke chapter 18. I mean, you could, but it wouldn't be very effective. Luke chapter 18, and remember that God wants, he, he expects, he expects all of these character traits. He expects for you to be heartbroken, heart-rented. He expects for you to be pained. He expects for you to be wretched. He expects for you to be moved to tears when you have stepped outside of his standard. That's the expectation. For a person who believes, for a disciple, for one who claims to be in right standing with God. That's what he expects from us. That's what he expects. Luke chapter 18, let's look at verse 9. Starting at verse 9. Let me get there. 
And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves, that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, and the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. And the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men, or are extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all the possess, and the publican standing afar off would not even lift up his eyes, would not so much lift up his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalted himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. And I want you to keep, keep, that, keep that in mind. Keep that scripture in mind. So we see the Pharisee could not see that he was just as undone and just as a sinner as the public. And he couldn't see that. That Pharisee couldn't see that he was just as undone, that he was just a sinner, just like the publican. You have to be truly repentant to be forgiven. You have to be truly repentant to be forgiven. This is someone who cares more about, we're talking about the religious, we're talking about the one who doesn't mourn. This is someone who cares more about what others think about them. They, 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 they're more concerned with saving faith. They're more concerned with appearing to be more spiritual than what they really are. Those that don't mourn. Those that don't mourn. These are the opposite character traits of those who mourn. They, 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 they claim to be, they claim to be, they see themselves as more Christian as somebody else. More of a believer as somebody else. More saved than somebody else. When that very attitude is prideful. That very attitude, and it's against, it is against, that very attitude is against poor in spirit. That very attitude is against poor in spirit. So you see now why, why I say you can't have poor in spirit or be poor in spirit if you don't have mourning. You can't do it. You have to be regretful. You have to be pained that you are undone. And the realization that you are undone, you have to feel that pain in order to have both of those. This is a person, and, 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 that, and that, so acknowledging that there is a standard that you should be living by, but not living it, makes you a sinner and a hypocrite. Acknowledging. That there is a standard. Yes, there is a standard that I should be living by, but you don't live by it. That makes you a sinner and a hypocrite. You cannot be a sinner and a saint at the same time. You can't be a sinner and a saint at the same time. You're either one or you're the other. They that function under the title of Christian religion, but is not committed to the faith. That, that, that. When you are functioning under the title of Christian, but you're not committed to the faith, 
that's sinful and that's hypocritical. This is a person who has church membership. We're talking about, we're talking about religion. They, they know what's supposed to, what they're supposed to do. These are the people who have church membership and attends church regularly under the title of Christian, but have made no commitment to follow the teaching or they pick and choose what they will obey and what they, and what they will not. That's religious. I acknowledge that there's a standard. I acknowledge that this is what is laid out in my Christian walk. I, I, I acknowledge that. In my Christianity, this is what's laid out. I acknowledge that. I attend church regularly. But I'm not committed. I'm not committed to doing all of that. I'm not committed to doing all of that. In some cases, I'm not committed to doing any of it. But I have the title of Christian. And I go to church regularly. Pastor Hill mentioned about morality being subtle and used to make an unrighteous man feel justified. Morality. But I dare say that the word Christian is used in that same term. To make a man feel, an unrighteous man feel justified in the system of this antichrist. Because it has deluded people. That word Christian, it has deluded people into thinking that they are right with God. It has deluded them into thinking that they are right with God while living in rebellion. While living in hostility and unrighteousness. But because they have the term, or they go by the term Christian, they feel like they are justified. An unrighteous man. A feeling of being justified. The enemy does not mind you using the title of Christian. As long as you're not living the title. He don't mind you carrying the title. As long as you're not living the title. Pastor said, he don't care about you coming into this building. He doesn't care about you hearing the word. You hear all the words you want. You come in here all that you want. You carry the term Christian all that you want. You can carry the term believer all that you want. As long as you're not living like you're a believer. As long as you're not grasping and living the word that you're hearing when you come in here. He could care less about how much you come. He could care care less about the title that you carry. Then you have on the other end of the spectrum. So we talked about about uh, uh, the, the, talking about re- religious, we have we have those who who know the word, who may not be living the word, and they have no remorse, they have no regret because of it. But then you have on the other end of the spectrum, the very far other end, there's the religious person who solely operates on the emotions or the feelings of shame and guilt and sorrow, and that's where they stay. That's religious too. That's where they stay. They don't go on beyond. They don't go on beyond what there is help for me. They don't go on beyond what the spirit of the living God, having that word, allowing that word, the word that they hear to resonate, allowing that word to grow and to develop in them, in them into something that is much more. They don't allow that word. See, and that is religious. I'm holding on to the religion because I need God's forgiveness. Then they stay right there. I need God's forgiveness. I need God's forgiveness. And that's all that they live. That's the way that they live. Religiously. I'm saved. 
I'm, I'm forgiven. I'm saved. I'm forgiven. Because that's where, the, that's where they live. And they're, all, they're constantly right there. Not growing, not developing, not allowing the word to conform them, not, not being transformed with the renewing of their mind. That's all the thing. That's, that, that's it. it when, I, when I sin, when I sin, God, when I sin, when I sin, not if, but when I sin, God is he's faithful to forgive. He's faithful to forgive. I just need him. I just, they, they constantly praying for forgiveness. Constantly. Constantly. Because that's where they're living. That's where they are living. So in other words, they are so wrapped up emotionally in being undone that they cannot see or they cannot comprehend. They cannot grasp the concept of God's grace and how the spirit of the living God, the Holy Ghost, that they are able, that with that spirit, that they are able to sin less. Sin less. And they are able to be transformed by the renewing of their minds. In other words, they keep coming back. Again, they keep coming back to the same, the same things. Because they're not allowing the spirit of the living God to work on in their life. Remember, we're talking about being blessed. (laughs) We're talking about being blessed and not even knowing it. We're talking about being blessed and not even knowing it. That God has made a way. That God has made a way for us to be. For us to be blessed. To live in him. Blessed and favored. Because I know that when I go, remember God, our high priest, Jesus, our high priest, when I go to the throne of grace, not only will I, can I obtain mercy, but I can find grace in the time of need. I can find the support. I can find the help in the time that I need to live righteously before him. See, that's going beyond religion. That's going, be, that's, going, that's going beyond religion. That's going into a relationship and a fellowship with the living God. That's beyond religion. That's beyond uh, uh, just, just knowing that you're saved or, or, or because the word says you're saved. I profess with my mouth. I believe in my heart. That's going way beyond that. Way beyond that. Allowing the word of God to transform you by the renewing of your mind. As believers, we cannot... We cannot because guilt and shame, living in that and not moving past that, it hinders and it debilitates and weakens and impairs and it renders you powerless. We're talking about being blessed and favored. We're talking about being blessed and favored in Christ Jesus. It hinders and debilitates. It weakens you. It impairs you when you live just right there with just forgiveness. That that religious thing of, 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 I just need God's forgiveness. As believers, we cannot live among the world with defeated lives and expect that they will want to serve the God that we say we serve. There's no way. We cannot live among the world with defeated lives, being believers. We cannot live among the world with defeated lives and expect that they will want to serve the God that we say we serve. Who wants that? You're living a defeated life. You're, you are not comforted. So why would I want that God? You're in the same boat that I'm in. So how are you going to try to save me when we're both sinking? How are you going to try to save me when we're both sinking? If there is no hope, if there is no comfort for a believer who, who, who professes to be in Christ, if there is no hope and no comfort 
and one who professes to be in Christ, saved, delivered, and forgiven, what hope and comfort is there for those currently outside of Christ? You're in Christ, living a defeated life. No hope, no comfort. But then we expect that when we teach someone, that when we minister to someone, that when we talk to someone, that we can help bring them out. No, you're living just as much of a defeated life as I am. It is the goodness of the Lord that brings men to repentance. If men can see the goodness in your life, that will bring men to repentance. If they can see the yes, you lived a shabby life. Yes, you've done some things. Yes, you have. You have lived. You have not lived up to the standard always. You have, and you still fall short sometimes. When they can see that, but they can see that the grace, that even though you might fall sometimes, they can see the grace of God working in your life. They can see. They can see it. If they can see it, they can see that goodness, that God's goodness. Listen, the goodness of, of the Spirit of the living God, Him allowing the Spirit of the living God to come and live in us, if they can see that goodness, if they can see that goodness, the goodness of God by His love for us and His grace in and upon our lives, that his overall, his overall total goodness, his overall total goodness towards us. In Ephesians chapter 1, it says that it was his, it's his goodness towards us. And that's what men need to see. And it's the goodness of the Lord that brings men to repentance. We're still talking about these traits. We're talking about these traits. That these are the traits that Jesus is expecting that we will have. And I'm out of time. But I want you to come back. You need to tune in. Tune in. Because God, again, God, you don't, you don't want to miss this. The Beatitudes, oh, what peace we often forfeit. We're going to get into that next week. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.